Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast, presented by BetMGM. I am your host Matthew Cox, and the rest of the Three Man Weave crew, Kai McKeon, Jim Root, are both joining me here. The rest, including just those two there's no more that are part of this group uh today we're talking about all things college basketball coming to you every wednesday morning dropping a new big bets on campus episode going to discuss the key games of the week upcoming a deceptively nice set of games wednesday thursday and friday before we hit the christmas lull and then a quick reset into full-blown conference play which will have plenty of games to talk about drowning in content for sure the uh, the format of today's show is is as usual: power mid major breakdowns, the trash fan pick of the week, spotlight on teaser. Stay tuned, you'll find out. But first, we talk about the live dog of the week, our favorite section. I think trying to pick out the live money line underdog pick or picks of the next three days. Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? We get a pretty good batch last week, gentlemen, but I think our best pick by far was in no way a genius pick. It just involves fading Louisville and Arkansas State Mm -hmm. completely embarrassed that team. Uh, Props to both of you. I think I stayed away foolishly from that one. But yeah, um, turns out betting Louisville in anything is betting against Louisville in anything is is a good idea. So we'll try and target them on more live money dog. I just don't know if we're going to have opportunities to because they're so bad at this point. A lot of games I teed up for us to discuss today, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'll just quickly run through them here, gents. Let me know what, what jumps out to you here. Um, UC Irvine going to New Mexico. SLU going to NC State on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, we have UT Arlington at Texas Tech. Kent State at Oregon. A couple of solid mid-majors against, I think, brittle power conference teams. Um, maybe a little bit mean to Texas Tech, but it's kind of where I see them right now. And then Friday, Yale going to Kansas Probably a reach of an inclusion, but I think Kansas has been vulnerable at home, I think we can say. Um, and then Cornell at Robert Morris is an interesting angle I have. I'll pause there. Kai, any of these jump out to you or others that I did not include hmm. in an oversight? 
Gosh, of your list, Matt, I I just don't know. I, I don't want to fade New Mexico at home, uh, even though Irvine's been incredible and they have Bain Lichten back in the lineup, uh, certainly a lot healthier. They've been amazing this season, but New Mexico is so tough at home. SLU, I don't really want to bet on SLU. I've been trying to fade SLU, in fact, and they've they've gotten a few miraculous covers, uh, unfortunately, the last couple of games. So maybe I just stay away from them entirely. Texas Tech Arlington is, in, is intriguing, Matt. Uh, Philip Russell back in the lineup for Arlington. Uh, certainly yeah. Texas Tech, not a team, at least at least this season, that seems like a team that blows out mid-majors, right? We've we've seen that in the past with them, but I'm not sure that's their identity this year. And then, then Oregon, I'm kind of tired of fading at home. Uh, I've done it a few times. Somehow they've been covering despite having uh, a depleted roster. Uh, so probably staying away from that one as well. We I, I agree with a couple Jim added later in the in this section, but I'll holster that for now, Jim. Yeah, we'll, we'll focus on Matt's crew here because there are one or two that I like here. I'm, I'm with you on Kent State, Matt. Um, Oregon, you mentioned the battered front line. But their backcourt's a little banged up too. Keyshawn Bartholomew missed last game. They got absolutely destroyed by Syracuse, a really, really young Syracuse team in Sioux Falls. They played a weird neutral site game halfway across the country for each team. I think Kent State can absolutely compete there. I'm, I'm taking the risk. I'm taking Kent State going into the woods, that gross court. Actually, I kind of like that court, but uh, I'm going to jump on Kent State with you, Matt. I sort of thought about SLU NC State. Um, there's the you know callback to what the 2014 tournament when SLU played the foul right. game for the final three minutes of the game. It was insane. And they erased like a 15 point uh, deficit with a bunch of like free throws and steals and stuff. Uh, but I'm not quite going to go there, Matt. The one I'm definitely joining you on is Kent State. And then, like Kai mentioned, I've got a couple more to add, but I want to hear you back up your favorites of the this group you said. Yeah, and for the record, I, the Wednesday twofer I gave out, UC Irvine, New Mexico, SLU at NC State. I don't like either of those. I just think you could make intriguing cases for those. <laughs> SLU gets uh, you know, a little healthier now, and, and getting 12 against an NC State team that can uh, certainly play down to competition felt, felt intriguing to me. But I will take both of the Thursday ones. I'm with Jimbo on Kent State. They've been off for a bajillion years. Uh, they already made like a quasi West Coast trip to South Dakota and won. So it's not like they're, you know, they, Boy, this that is not is like real a quasi West Coast. They've proven they can go West on a pretty significant travel situation and win in sort of a non conference game. I think they can absolutely do that against Oregon again, which has, uh, which is down a lot of their key horses. In UTA, I think they go into Texas Tech and win too. Um, Graham McCallison, great coach. Texas Tech without Devin Cambridge, I think they've lost a pretty key firepower, uh, a potent, or potent point of their offense. Um, and I've seen them twice now against San Jose State. Now they ended up pulling away in that game. And then most recently against um, uh, Oral Roberts, a team I think UTA is not better than objectively. Uh, barely escaped them at home too. And they just play slow. And I think they're prone to, to high variance situations where UTA with Philip Russell at the helm can pull it off. So that's all I got with the money line dogs. I'm only sticking with two. I am not touching Yale, Kansas, nor am I touching Fornell at Robert Morris. Although I thought Bobby Moe catching a touchdown at home uh, was a little bit intriguing now that they're healthier. But Jim, what were the other ones you threw into the mix, into the hop? Well, I just want for Arlington, it, it, as you mentioned, Russell, in his first game <laughs> as eligible as a two time transfer, he had 28 points started, was the MVP of the game per Ken Palm. So he is a massive, massive piece. Definitely upgrades that Arlington team. So I, I sort of buy that. Uh, Matt, one I'm going to go with, I'm going to stick with the team that treated us well last week. That's Arkansas State. I know they're not playing Louisville this week, but you got a pretty high variance, a lot of up and down type stuff against Belmont on the road. 
I just like this Arkansas State team. They're a little healthier than they were to start the year. They also had a major stylistic shift with their coaching change this offseason, and I feel like they're starting to figure it out a little bit. So I'm going to go with Arkansas State plus five at Belmont on Wednesday. I'm sort of intrigued by Wyoming on Wednesday, too. A weird neutral site game against South Dakota State down in El Paso, and they might get Mason Walters healthy, their, their star. Guy, is he NAIA or D3? I can't remember what his I believe he was NAIA player of the year. Um, okay. Or, or at least two-time first-team All-American. He averaged like 30 a game. Yeah, and he's going to give them some real punch. But it would be his first game off an injury at this level, so I'm not quite going to jump in there. Then Idaho plus eight at Riverside on Thursday. And Mizzou plus 10 versus Illinois on Bragging Friday. Rights. Bragging rights game. Uh, Idaho, I'll quick just say, they, they compete very well against teams of their caliber. They they cannot play power conference competition. They will get absolutely drilled. But uh, against a team like Riverside, who just had a heartbreaking rivalry crosstown loss to Cal Baptist, I think Idaho can go and compete there. And then Kai rivalry, speaking of which, our alma mater, the Missouri Tigers, have won four of the last five versus Illinois, including some years where Mizzou was bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and really does compete there now. The gap between the two is probably as large as it's been in recent memory because Illinois is legit. But I think they can compete and keep that game as a kind of a coin flip for most of the way. Yeah, I hope we get 10. Boy, I'd be on the Tigers as a dog. But I think they can win that game. Why not? It, you kind of throw away, like you said, the the, the performance of each team in, in that type of game, right? A big rivalry setting. I really like Idaho too. Um, I don't see Riverside blowing anybody out. Just the the style they play, their offense is terrible. Uh, I, I think Idaho, who, who can actually shoot sometimes, uh, can can definitely hang with with Riverside there and and maybe beat them on the road. So I like Mizzou and in Idaho. Yeah, I like Idaho. I'm just still um, a little bit distraught, uh, scarred over my biggest bet of the year was against Seattle and they lost by 40. So um, I'm still trying to come back from that emotionally. <laughs> I think. Practically, Jim has the right angle with that one. Um, I don't have the data in front of me on the Mizzou bragging rights angle. It seems like over the last decade plus, the ebbs and flows of the team that's down year to year tends to rise up and play well in that game. Uh, so I also like that angle too. Except but, that one year we were terrible and lost by like 30. really bad. Lost to Kansas year. by 30. Yeah. Qu- Quanzo year that. too. That was a Quanzo year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 2021, okay. uh, Illinois won 88 to 63. Easily covered a 14 and a half point spread. Yes, they did. <laughs> I think this one's more competitive. <laughs> uh, hey, I hope you're right. I don't uh, I don't quite have the same confidence after the Seton Hall game, but we will see. Again, I have UTA and Kent State. That is it. That's all I need. So, Jim. Okay. I've got Arkansas State, Kent State. Those are the Wednesday ones. And Idaho Thursday, Mizzou Friday. Kai just joined with a couple. Yep. Mizzou and Idaho. That's what I got, Matthew. Moving right along to Blowout City. Fire in the hole! We called out two potential blowout spots last week. Um, Basically just picking off two good teams that have the DNA to be massive, awesome favorites, which we will talk about later in today's show. Auburn and FAU, um, and they both mulled their respective opponents. So um, as we know, both teams are probably in the top 10 territory and at no signs of slowing down kind of a theme with the two we picked out this week and it's the state of Iowa that's right Kai we love Iowa we love Iowa teams as large favorites both have been awesome this year as large favorites Iowa and Iowa State especially and they both get some pretty juicy matchups I'd say um, to beat the doors off to low major teams Uh, UMBC goes into Carver Hawkeye Arena on Wednesday Kempom has that Iowa lane 25 we know Iowa is not good against good teams, but they are very good against bad teams, whatever that means. However, 
There are rare exceptions to that, such as last year when they lost at home to Eastern Illinois, who fittingly <laughs> is playing at Iowa State on Thursday. But Iowa State has not shown any such immunity or vulnerability against low caliber competition. While we did see EIU go into Fog Allen Gym this year and give KU a scare, I think Iowa State wins by roughly 40 to 45. Yeah, I love Iowa, first of all, in that one. They just constantly smash bad teams at home, and UMBC is one of the fastest teams in the country. You don't want to get in a track meet with Iowa. Like, that's just a bad, bad idea to do at Carver Hawkeye. Uh, Ken Palm has 103 to 78. That's the 25-point the spread is Iowa in triple digits in the projection. It should be uh, biggest I, total of the year, I think. I don't think we've I would seen 180 yet. 180 is going well, to uh, Arizona-Alabama, Matthew, a game we'll oh, discuss crap. later. Ah. Good. May actually have a, a total right up in that yes. vicinity as well. Um, but yeah, that, that one's way, way up there. That's so many possessions for Iowa's talent gap to play out. I like that one. And then, yeah, Iowa State, and they have all, all they've done is drill bad competition to the point that people are getting mad about how high they're in the net. Jeff Goodman tweeting about that today mm-hmm. on Tuesday about how they're sixth and they haven't beaten anyone besides Iowa. It's their only good win. Uh, they just keep blowing teams out. And it feels like they've got the uh, the goods to do that again there, Kai. Just that atmosphere plus their defensive intensity. Uh, and they actually seem to make shots at home. It's boded well for <laughs> Iowa State. Yeah, the uh, the possession count worries me a little bit in, in that one. Eastern Illinois and, and uh, Marty Simmons, Eastern Illinois' coach, he's a bit more crafty than your average low major coach. Uh, Matt mentioned they hung at Fog Allen and really Illinois was probably lucky to cover against them in game one, Illinois barely covered against East Illinois to open the season, but Iowa state's also proven they can blow teams out in low possession games, right? They, they beat green Bay by 40 and 64 possessions. Grambling state was like 45 and under 70. So it can be done. I don't think UMBC is that bad, but if you're going to play an 80 possession game with Iowa, which is what it's projected. And I don't see how it won't be an 80 possession game. I don't think they're going to be able to compete. So I, I, I do like the Iowa game a bit better, even if it is 25. Matt, what, yeah, do, hey, what, do, you think about, okay. what do you think about Gonzaga on Wednesday night? Coming off a loss to UConn, playing a SWAC team that's yep. was just in Vegas Jackson for a double header. Now they come up to Spokane. This, the SWAC teams feel like they've kind of had their wits end with these, these bye games. Seems like a good spot for Gonzaga, and a more up-tempo game than that Mississippi Valley State one. I agree. I just think Jackson State's kind of good. And like the exception to that rule I was spewing out um, did beat your Tigers at home. Um, and from what it sounded like, the Gonzaga dudes, I know Mississippi Valley State's way worse than Jackson State, but it feels like they really just don't want to exert any sort of like mega will against these bad teams. Like they were vehemently walking the ball off the floor in Mississippi Valley State on purpose to like try and not beat them by too many. Um, I can see them definitely keep their foot off the gas here. So I worry about some sleepwalkiness, even though it does profile is a good spot um mo williams i trust that's it the fighting most uh let's talk real games with big boys on both sides but before we get to the power games plural of the week a shout out to our sponsor bboc is presented by bet mgm use bonus code action when signing up to get up to fifteen hundred dollars payback in bonus bets if your first bet loses for new users in arizona colorado illinois indiana Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot of good games coming up this week slash weekend. Uh, heavily, or sorry, heavily tilted toward Wednesday. Got some of these quasi-home game neutral sites we talked about last week. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. But we lead off with a pure neutral site, Baylor versus Duke. At the God, the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, that is Kai. Should is be a high scoring game. Is neutral when Duke's playing there, Matt? You tell we me. We do. They we we do like to call that uh, one of Duke's quasi home courts, Kai. So it, it might be a slight <laughs> tilt toward the Duke faithful there. But uh, yeah, no one lives anywhere near where New York is located. So I'll call it a pure neutral for the sake of this discussion. Defensive issues have plagued Baylor recently, Kai. I think it was a team that we were sort of buying as an elite team, um, but they've been gashed in some of their big matchups this year. Duke's sort of been off the radar quietly the last couple of weeks. Like they played those big games in November. We haven't really seen them in the spotlight. This is kind of their return, um, you know, to prove that they might be an elite contender that we thought they were. Uh, Tyrese Proctor aside, what's your angle in this matchup? I'm not sure I really have one. Um, I see Baylor off a loss with Scott Drew, who I think is a, a fantastic coach, and I kind of lean their way. I, I know they've kind of gotten, like you said, gashed against good competition, but they can also outscore anybody, right? They outscored Auburn. They outscored Florida. That's pretty darn good. Now, Duke's been really good without Proctor, albeit they've played Charlotte and Hofstra. Not the best competition, but not schlubs either at the mid-major level. My my gut is sort of leaning towards Baylor here. I don't really have anything strong, Jim. I, I might sit it out. We'll see what the line is. Yeah, I with no Proctor, that's that's a real concern with perimeter defense. Like That is his biggest strength. I think everybody's yeah. excited about him blossoming offensively and being an All-American, but really that hasn't happened. It's been more the defensive end where I think he's going to be missed against top-shelf competition. He went out really early in that Georgia Tech game, like a minute in, and I think that really affected Duke there. Now they've had chances to prepare for him to not be there, and maybe he returns, although they've said they're going to be super-duper cautious with him. Uh, But I think Baylor got their real bad, tough regression game out of the way against Michigan State, where they got absolutely spanked in both shooting splits and in the paint. I I think they figured out more against Duke without that key perimeter defender. Actually, Dooling Baylor here, Matthew, I just I don't think Duke has figured things out to this point. I agree. I'm fading Duke here. I I love the spot for Baylor. Just got absolutely embarrassed by Michigan State. Um, 
And so now you catch Duke, who is off the finals week lull, which we've seen has been a bugaboo for some teams. Now, I remember this vividly last year, Duke off their finals lull, laid an egg at Wake Forest. Um, I kind of see a similar uh, kind of a sluggish start, especially after you feel a little bit fat and happy with two big wins in your back pocket the last two out. I, I would lean toward the Bears, um, despite their defensive concerns, which I don't think have gone away, but in this matchup, they won't quite bite them. So and, and Duke shot 11 for, or excuse me, 21 for 40 in those two home games without Proctor <laughs> that I think has artificially made it look like, oh, they're fine without Proctor. It's like, unless you're shooting 50% every game, then, then maybe it wouldn't look as good. Yeah, Mark Mitchell's going to have to uh, show up for this game. He certainly has been MIA in some of their big ones. Oklahoma, Kai, against North Carolina. We had two more games on Wednesday at these quasi-homes. This one is at Charlotte at the Spectrum Center. I believe UNC played here last year against Michigan. Uh, but yeah, so you know, partial home edge just with a pretty easy travel for the Tar Heels. But Oklahoma has not lost a basketball game this year. They are undefeated. Porter Moser, top 20 in Ken Palm. They're going to be probably around a pick them to the Sooners, I would say. Probably could argue they should be favored, but I think you kind of have to respect UNC. He's been, you know, good and they're close to home. Uh, coaching mismatch, question mark? I'll just yes. give, I'll leave it at that to you. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, it's enormous coaching mismatch. Um, Porter Moser versus Hubert Davis. Oklahoma's defense has been incredible, and they've played good competition. They've beaten good competition. Iowa, USC, Arkansas. Uh, now, this is, quote-unquote, the most away game they've had, in, in quotation marks. I'm not sure I'm super worried about that, necessarily. It's not at UNC's actual building. Yeah, it is, true. like you mentioned, in Charlotte, not a true road game. In fact, that might move the line towards UNC at the opener, which I kind of like because I like Oklahoma here. Uh, it's a coaching mismatch for me, like you said. It's a team that can compete defensively and on the glass. They're not going to get bullied by by North Carolina inside. Give me the Sooners. I'm, I'm betting Carolina, despite the, the coaching wow. mismatch. Definitely nervous about that. But I don't think Oklahoma has played good competition. I think Iowa, USC, Arkansas, you could say, are three of the more disappointing teams in the entire country. Maybe Providence. that's unfair to Iowa. Um, Arkansas, too? Yeah, Providence. No, I'm saying Arkansas definitely is one of the yeah. most. Providence yeah. is solid, but none of these teams are top 40 right now in Ken Palm. Carolina is by far the best team they played. It's going to be a hostile crowd, and no one's made threes against Oklahoma, 25.6%. I think that's a little bit aberrational versus like a true, oh, my God, they're so swarming defensively. Well, they do have some good length, but I think Carolina can find open shots here. Matt, I don't feel great about it, but Carolina off two losses. I don't think they're as bad as they've looked in some of those. And Oklahoma yep. value about as high in the market as you're going to find. I'll take Carolina about a pick on a in a home friendly crowd, even though it's a neutral. Right. It, if it were a true home, it would feel a lot like the BYU versus Utah spot. I think we talked about last week where it's like you cannot possibly have a higher market value um, than BYU at that time. Oklahoma, the same same case. And UNC, while well, I'm with, I mean, the coaching mismatch you know, frightens me to be, to be blunt. I, I do think, yeah. Oh yeah. you know, they played UConn lost by 11. I mean, UConn beats everybody. So that that's like, I don't put any shame on that. And then Kentucky, you know, they've clearly risen against good teams and they lost by four. So this is kind of my, okay, Hubert, this is your final chance to prove it, that you can get a big win against a pretty legit team. They beat Tennessee at home um, pretty handily. So I, I think maybe get a, a, an effort of that quality. Some shots got to be going down though for the Tar Heels. That's kind of the thing. They sometimes live and die by the, the three ball as much, despite having Armando Baycott inside, give him the damn ball. I yeah, just, just one last point. I think, and this is bared out this season in terms of percentage. I, Oklahoma usually among and Porter Moser 
the best transition defense like possible yes. like yes. in the country. And that's going to be a huge factor, I think, too. They're not going to get beaten transition, which is where UNC feasts. And they, I agree. they played a perfect game against Tennessee. Uh, um, yeah. It, it won that game for sure. Yeah. It's got to be a Baycock game. It's a Baycock game. All right, we're going across the country here. Another quasi-home. Alabama and Arizona, two teams who we both saw, uh, I would say, battle admirably but fall short against Purdue. Arizona most recently there in Indianapolis, Alabama up in Canada, our friendly neighbor to the north. Now it's Arizona's turn to get the quasi-home edge, Kai, here in Phoenix at the Footprint Center. Kempom has it minus seven against Alabama, who, you know, they've been good in these big games. And they played a ton of them. Um, it does feel like maybe there's this is one where they kind of rise and, and catch Arizona, maybe not at their A game, but I kind of think the spot's better for Arizona, honestly, coming off that loss to Purdue. Um, and it's really the only time they've looked vulnerable all year. So I like Arizona. Nothing real complicated here to my handicap. Yeah, I guess they you can say they looked vulnerable, but Purdue played the best game they've played all year, and 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 Arizona still was in the game at the end of it. I mean, I think that's pretty impressive when you can take the best team in the country, arguably their best shot, and you're still in it, right? FAU did that against Illinois, for instance. Seven points is a lot, but this game is going to be 80 possessions. Kempom, Jim mentioned the total of the other game. 183 points is, is the projected total here for, for Kempom. I kind of buy that's going to go over. I think it's going to be a an up-and-down game, a really fun NBA-style game to watch. We know Arizona can score, too. And, man, they can defend. I, I think they can at least stop Alabama enough and score definitely a lot. Uh, to to keep Alabama at bay and and get the over and and lean towards them on the spread as well. Yeah, that's the difference, Kai. I, I think the fact that the Arizona defense can actually hold up. It's a number one defensive rebounding team in the country by rate, and that's how Alabama really stayed in it at Creighton. They had 17 offensive boards against uh, against the Blue Jays. I don't think they're going to find that kind of success here. Now they might get better looks from three than they did at Creighton, where Creighton really takes that away. And Alabama was four for 22 from deep, but. It, this one, like just looking at it, it was like, oh, seven. Wow. But the more I think about it with, with the way Kai mentioned with the pace, how there's going to be possessions for it to get up over seven. Uh, I'm going with Arizona here, Matt, with that semi home court and, and off the loss. And Bama's kind of in this this ruling non-conference schedule yeah, that NATO drew up for him. I think they overscheduled. I, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> if Oates would agree with that. But I mean, Ohio State, Oregon, Clemson, Arkansas State, Purdue, Creighton are their last most recent games. They've not gotten a big marquee win. So um, I think this is kind of they go all in for this one, but man, if you have enough to beat Arizona, probably think, not. haven't they gone all in two straight games and they haven't know? gotten there? Yeah, this is probably yeah. their god, I don't know, Purdue to neutral, Creighton at Creighton. I mean, yeah, again, NATO don't schedule like this next year. Um, <laughs> I guess I lean to no, zone. Please still, do. I like that you did. It's fun <laughs> to watch the games Thursday, Kentucky at Louisville. This is even worth discussing. How dare you! I'm just our game of the week. It's a it's a pretty big rivalry. Like some would say, the biggest in college basketball until Kenny Payne walked. Through. Not to throw shade on Kenny Payne, Kai. Ken Palm has this as a two touchdown favorite. Uh, Kentucky laying two touchdowns at the Yum Center. A sliver of me wants to buy into like the a rally around the Gipper. Big effort here at home for Louisville. We saw them play Texas close. I don't know if we really are impressed by that in hindsight, but. We have seen Louisville somewhat rise in bigger games. Do they catch a younger, um, I don't know, maybe not focused Kentucky team? I'm I'm reaching for grasp for straws here. Is this Kentucky smash? I think so, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, that is double digits at home 
in a huge rivalry like this. And and it's not Louisville laying points, which is what we like to fade Louisville with. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit scared, but I also think Kentucky is just monumentally better. I don't think they're going to sleepwalk either. This is a massive rivalry, like you said. Like Kentucky wants to plow Louisville <laughs> and smoke them. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to bet the Cats. They beat them by 23 last year for for just reference a little bit. Um, obviously, that was at Rupp, but I don't know, Jim. I'm, I'm pretty torn. 13 is probably just going to be too tough for me to take a side. Yeah, I think Louisville you know covered spread- that game, right? Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know what the spread was last year? It was 23 and a half. So Louisville snuck oh, inside the number. Wow. That's how garbage they were. Jeez. Um, that's that's my one concern, Matt, is I know it's a huge rivalry, but Kentucky, these young freshmen, really, really young team, it feels like when they see a team across from them, they're just like, boy, they're bad. We don't need our A game. They're not able to bring it. Now, this should be a hype atmosphere, which should fuel Kentucky a little more than like Sleepy Home Spot versus Wilmington or whatever. But I, I kind of do weirdly lean Louisville because of that focus thing, but I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to put any stock in betting the Cardinals against a team that's way better than them. So I, I wish for Kentucky. Yeah, not bad. That's a yeah. solid point for a mega young team. No, you're right. I mean, St. Joe's, we learned that St. Joe's is just a really good team, I think, but still. Um, and in the UNC Wilmington game and even the Penn game, they were very competitive with Penn until they needed a late rally to pull away there. So, yeah, they have played yeah, down no. to competition. Kentucky got down uh, 21-8 to Texas A&M Commerce at home. Like, they they have had yeah. horrible efforts when the other team isn't, like, a big power conference team. So we'll see how much they respect Louisville. I think it's basically Kentucky determines whether Kentucky covers, and I don't think Louisville really has much of a say in the outcome, <laughs> um, to put it nicely. Let's move to Friday real quick. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday Night Lights. I'll be honest, this game doesn't really excite me at all, but the preseason it probably would have. UCLA hosting Maryland, two teams that are going to be in the same conference going forward. I can't even fathom that's a real thing, but that's where we are in college basketball realignment now. Ty, the Bruins hosting the Terps. Which team has looked worse so far? Is kind of the battle of the, the, sink, the sinking ships is kind of how I see this game. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> they both look really bad, like like really bad. I, I can't even decide who, who's looked worse. Both are not great offensively this season, but both have played good good uh, defensively. Turgeon, Cronin, uh, not Turgeon anymore. Maryland, excuse me, Willard and Willard. Cronin, sort of sort of similar minded coaches, right? Defense, like a gritty style, is what I kind of think of when I think of Willard and and Cronin. I don't know. It's a horrible travel from Maryland. Obviously, that that's definitely a factor. I think Maryland's a better team and they're going to be about a four point dog here. It, it seems like a wash in my head, Jim. I, I really can't decide yet on this one. I'll probably bet the under, I just don't really see <laughs> how either team scores against the other one pace is a little more of a question mark, but it does feel like both coaches are going to be like, we got to prove we can out tough these guys and hey, it devolves yes. into just a physical rock fight. Uh, mini reminder, UCLA was the only team that won at Maryland all last year, and they won by 27. Just completely embarrassed Maryland on the road going across the country. Maybe there's some revenge on the Maryland minds. Jameer Young, Julian Reese, Dante Scott, remembering that. And this is a pretty brand new UCLA team. So, Matt, I think I do lean Maryland on the side, but the travel scares me a little bit. Uh, and I have no idea how they score from the perimeter against this UCLA team. So that that's mostly a sit out, probably bet some on the under though. This did make uh, the consideration shortlist for the trash pan pick of the week. Cause I do think it's a really gross <laughs> game, yeah. but I feel like out of respect for the trash pan pick of the week, it should be, you know, two lesser caliber teams. Although the way UCLA and Maryland are trending, I, you know, they could argue they could end up in this section at some point that concludes the power conference spotlights. 
let's the mid-major game of the week. Pretty lack or lackluster slate in terms of mid-major shutdowns, except for one stellar shining game on Thursday. Um, I don't want to hear your quibbles about what we qualify as mid-majors here. St. Joe's going to Charleston is going to be an absolute doozy of a game. The city will be rocking. Pat Kelsey and his burgeoning squad this year lost a lot, but they've been playing really well as of late, despite a stupid non-cover last night. But St. Joe's has been nothing sort of spectacular in games when they need to be um, outside of that home loss to Commerce. Not a lot they've done wrong this season. Nine and two are the fighting Hawks, Kai, Billy Lang going down to Charleston. It feels like a bracket buster type game, and it's a crucial one for at-large implications. Uh, and this roster and this resume is certainly starting to stack up as at-large caliber. What's your angle in this breakdown? There's going to be combined like 73-point attempts in this game, and that's not hyperbole. Both teams average over 30 attempts per game. Now, St. Joe just shot a lot better than Charleston, but I, I still believe Charleston has good shooters on this team. Um, I've been super impressed by St. Joe's. Their backcourt is truly like awesome. Um, they kind of have an at-large resume right now, especially if they would have gotten rid of that commerce loss. That's that's horrible. But if you win one on the road against Charleston, it's another feather in your cap. That's probably a Q2 win when all is said and done. And, and certainly you want to stack those up. My one concern about this game, if you're going to back St. Joe's, is that shooting regression, right? St. Joe's defense, they allow a ton of three-pointers. They're they're bottom five in the country in three-point attempt rate defense. And like I said, Charleston will shoot about 43 pointers in this game. And if that regression comes back to sort of go towards the mean, then Charleston is probably going to win this game, Jim. Yeah, the variance is scary because I, people talk about Villanova, how they take a ton of threes and give up a ton. So their games are really wild swings. St. Joe's is that same way, except... They've made 37%. Their opponents have made 29%. So it hasn't been yeah. swinging that much. Now, part of that, Matt, is because it's just eye testing. Like they can switch one through five almost. Razier Fleming can guard guards. That's why they're, uh, you know, they're forcing teams to play a lot of iso ball. There's the yeah. really low defensive assist rate. And I think some of these threes are really tough over the top uh, against a longer defender late in the shot clock. And they've got a long possession length defensively that shows that. So, I've actually been really, really impressed with St. Joe's. I think their backcourt athleticism plus Fleming yep. is a little too much for Charleston to handle here. I can't believe I'm doing it, but I'm continuing to trust Billy Lang. Team's just team's just good. That's all. That's all there's to it. I think they yes. have a they have a high assist uh, assisted assist rate, Jim allowed. Oh, okay. Sorry. So yeah, yeah, like bottom five teams on the yeah. perimeter or bottom hundred, whatever. Yeah, they're gonna. Ha- yeah, I, to me, this is as simple as it's a talent versus system angle right i think one team has the better jimmy's and joe's and the other team like if you really break down the charleston roster it's a lot of low mid-major slash you know division two guys and i'd say even a more watered down version of what we saw last season it's just a really really good coach and a really really good approach not to rhyme in a cheesy way there nice bomb. um thank you pretty good i'll uh ah, it's a stay away from me i kind of think charleston wins this game but uh, i i think i'm with jim gut wise just tougher to go against the talent and the way they're playing together, which is sort of what they've been missing the last few years. Uh, unfortunately, we now pivot to the trash man pick of the week. The trash man pick of the week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. We discussed um, against our will Cal State Bakersfield against Fresno last week. And I believe that finished at 120. Uh, a, a big win for Fresno at home, squeaking by the runners in a battle at the Valley um, out there in, in California. 
we head to the Midwest this week for Notre Dame hosting Marist. Funny to think that you'd ever hear Notre Dame in the trash man pick of the week section, but that's where we are right now under the Mike Shrewsbury regime. They are playing slow. They're playing ugly because they have to. Um, and obviously with Marist coming to town, coached by John Dunn, uh, defense and slow pace of play are usually going hand in hand. Any angles on this game, gentlemen? I think the under should be low 120s. Um, and Marist will be a shockingly short dog, but maybe not so shocking given how good they've been this season, Kai. Yeah, they've been really good this season, you know, compared to expectations. But who have they played? They they have one of the worst schedules in the country this this year, and that's like 356 in their non-con schedule. They have not played anybody, played anybody in the top 200 this season because Iona recently dropped out. Four points spread against Micah Shrewsbury, and I know Notre Dame is not the normal Notre Dame this year, but my gosh, that's short. Um, I think Maris gives them some problems with their defense. Dunn is a mastermind on that end, but this is their first real game, I think, against good competition, and I would be scared to take them as a four-point dog. Yeah, that's it's too, it's too short. I, I will probably end up betting Notre Dame on that just, just based on the line. Maris' performance against bad, bad competition – I don't know how that translates. Like, look, this Notre Dame roster is an ACC caliber really right now, but it's still categorically better uh, than everybody Marist has been playing. And there's the three-point shooting regression angle again here. Uh, Notre Dame's taking a ton of threes, but only shooting 27%, whereas Marist is allowing kind of a lot and only allowing 27%. One, one could say, oh, that means they're destined to shoot 27%. That's not how I see it. That's not how I believe in Statistical regression, fellas. So I, I think Notre Dame knocks down some shots. And despite Maris being healthier, getting Berkner and uh, Noah Harris back last game, I will likely land on the Irish here, Matthew, this last game right before Christmas. Yeah. Hey, common opponent, I... though, Matt. Common opponent here. Go ahead. Maryland, Maryland, property. Maryland Eastern Shore. Maris beat him by 24 and Notre Dame beat him by 20. So maybe not so crazy. Ah, man. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I was going to lay it with Notre Dame against Georgetown that did not go well um, for those who did lay it with Notre Dame. So I'm going to learn my lesson from that and think that this team as a favorite is not really a great bet. Oh, and, don't overreact. Uh, Look at the shooting splits in that game. Don't overreact yeah, no, to you're it. You're probably right. And well, don't tell me that as I, as I sit on my Georgetown ticket tonight, it's probably not a good over there. <laughs> Georgetown's probably better than Maris also. I know it's funny that we're wavering on that, but I would agree with that. I think I agree <laughs> with the take. Um, speaking of, Favorites and dogs, who's better as what? Whenever you put on a certain mask, how do you perform? Surprising splits is our theme for this week's spotlight section. Always in alliterative fashion, as dubbed by me. Ferocious favorites and dynamite dogs. Looking at what teams have performed best against the spread as a favorite with expectations versus as a dog. We'll start with the favorites first. Um... Minnesota at 7-0 against the spread. I've been what? quietly following this as like a Ben yeah. Johnson's team like is actually kind of good when they are supposed to be better than their cat. And I think it's just the fact that they're healthy this year and they actually have real talent. Are um, they? They're, ta- they're much more Braden talented Ca- than they have I, been. I, I'm saying are they healthy? Dawson Garcia's been hurt. Braden Carrington's away from the team indefinitely. They were healthier. Now I guess they're back to unhealthy. <laughs> I, yeah, I was sure this plays forward. I'm not sure how this holds, but they have been healthier than they have in the last couple of years. 7-0 as a favorite. Pretty shocking. Um, the other three, Richmond, 5-0, the Itzvitsi Spiders. Um, Kennesaw, the Owls at 5-0-1. And then we just talked about Marist, 5-0 as a favorite, as Kai mentioned. Probably part of why they are inflated in their uh, in their Kempom rankings. 
any real teeth to any of these guys, or is this sort of set up for a potential fade opportunity of these four going into conference play coming around the corner? The Go Minnesota two-point percentage splits are really impressive. Like they are scoring very efficiently inside the arc and they are preventing teams from doing the same. That's kind of the most sustainable thing you can find. And I know the competition hasn't been super elite. That's it. But I mean, even the like Mizzou game, they got up 20 and just choked it away by not being able to handle pressure. Maybe Big Ten teams take advantage of that, but there aren't a lot of pressing teams in the Big Ten that can do the same thing that an SEC squad can do. So yeah, Kyle, I'll let you take that. Maybe, maybe the competition thing is, is what I should be more focused on, but it, it is a solid statistical split for the Gophers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're they're smoking the teams they should be smoking. That that's that's Minnesota. Now, all four teams on this list are shocking to me, and the dogs too, except for maybe one or two dogs there. Every every single team on this list is indeed surprising. Um, I, I didn't think Richmond would be as good as they are this year. Kennesaw should have been a little bit down. Maris should not be a good favorite in Minnesota. Yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot of reasoning. I, I think schedule's one of them, but man, Richmond's played a good schedule and and they've still come out on top, Matt. Yeah, just looking at Minnesota, some of their results, like I mean, even the Nebraska game kind of pops is pretty impressive. So we'll keep an eye on Ben Johnson. I know he's kind of the hot seat, uh, hot name in the Big Ten this year. Uh, but hopefully, as Jim mentioned, they get some of those guys healthy. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't derail their Big Ten hopes. To Dynamite Dogs we go. The most, uh, the least surprising name on this list is Merrimack at 6 mm-hmm. one just the absolute picture poster child of a dog. Weird defense, can't score, muck up the game. They play it on their terms. Uh, and as such, they've not lost against the number when they've been catching points. Southern Utah at 6-1, and one, the fighting Rob Jeter's. Of course, they have no talent. The market thought they'd be terrible, and Rob Jeter's coaching them. And guess what? They're pretty good. Um, they also have a nice little big guy, Parsa Fala, who's a really nice player. Still, Rob Jeter is an excellent ball coach and should not be taken lightly. This next one surprised me. Coastal Carolina at 5-0, and um, now under the direction of their new interim coach. They've been kind of weirdly good as an underdog so far this year, although they've been getting some pretty big numbers. Um, we'll see if that holds up for, going forward. And then Illinois, Chicago, Portland State, St. Thomas, all three of those also just kind of check the box of like, yeah, that makes sense in my mental model of, you know, UIC, Luke Yaklich, not a good favorite, but certainly always can under, um, you know, can exceed expectations as an underdog. Portland State, uh, you know, just a ton of interchangeable, gritty, gutty types of athletes that can go to the glass and keep games competitively. And then St. Thomas, obviously under Johnny Towerkai, very feisty as a dog actually playing some defense this year for a change too. Um, Some, not a lot, some. Uh, I actually think all the dogs make more sense in my mind than the favorites. Thoughts? Yeah, St. Thomas and Merrimack were the two that made sense to me. I I expected both those teams to be scrappy dogs. Southern Utah came out of nowhere. They're they're way better than they should be. Credit to Rob Rob Jeter. Uh, UIC had the potential in the preseason, but still has, has exceeded my expectations. They have real talent. The team that's smoking mirrors here is Coastal Carolina. Uh, their results are just BS. <laughs> uh, they cover by a half against Wichita, two against Furman, one against Charleston the first time, and they're down by home. By the way, too, that was at their tournament. They and they're down by eighteen to Charleston last night before covering and, and Winthrop. They covered by two. They're barely covering these games as dogs. I don't think they're a good bet going forward. No, I do not at all. I, I think they're getting a lot of teams that see the record and no, they're not that good and especially I, like coastal's very good in the last like four minutes of games they don't roll over and die uh they've gotten down double digits in like every single one of these games and just haven't completely gone away 
Uh, and I think when the spreads get lower in conference, that they're going to be a little tougher to back there. But yeah, man, those slowdown teams with really strong defenses, UIC, St. Thomas, Merrimack, it, it makes a lot of sense. One thing with UIC, I'll slip in, is they, they're number one in three-point percentage defense. I think they're going to face a little bit of that buzzword regression uh, coming at some point this year. But so far, that defense has been mega, mega stout. Fellas, that concludes today's episode of the Big Bets on Campus. You will next hear from us after Christmas. Until that time, enjoy the holiday season, um, and good luck on all of your wagers. May the three-point shooting variance ever be in your favor. And um, that's all we have. Take care. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.